This is the John Oakley Show podcast. What to do when you've got a day off? You can ride the subway for free. Up and down the line, across the town. I mean, uh, maybe a little boring at times, but uh, say, uh, you know, you're still moving. And uh, that's the operative phrase when you've got, you know, when you're a kid and uh, you're full of, you know, vim and vigor. However, uh, we're going to talk about other matters in a moment uh, insofar as their topics worthy of discussion. Donald Trump was gloating today about his good fortunes of late. State of the Union address, I guess, is considered to be a hit by many, well, within his precincts or constituency. Uh, Others, maybe not as chuffed. Nancy Pelosi uh, was continuing to diminish and demean him and rip into him, although Trump did uh, show some headlines from the Washington Post and USA Today. Big bold letter saying acquitted because in the Senate he was acquitted of the impeachment raps. And uh, so he's he's got good reason, I guess, to feel his oats or feel bullish about things. Uh, he's at a high watermark in terms of popularity or approval ratings. Uh, what else has happened? I mean, this is the Trumpian world. Uh, I guess the Iowa caucuses and the boondoggle there with tabulating the results, which aren't still fully in, even though they were supposed to be uh I guess, completed on Monday night. Here we go on Thursday afternoon. We're still awaiting. And this is sort of accrued to his benefit because it looks like a colossal cock-up on the Democrats' part. And so uh, we'll talk about that, as I say, with our panel, Stephen Holliday, David Wills, and Peter Sherman. Mr. Holliday, of course, is the deputy mayor, uh, may want to address certain local concerns where the budget uh, has been cobbled together. And there's an increase in spending. And a lot of times people say, well, you know, rather than increase spending, uh, we don't have a uh, revenue problem. We've got a spending problem. And so revenue is really where you make up the shortfall. To wit, uh, the TTC, it's now reported after a six-week fare evasion study that started in November, is losing about $70 million annually, or at least that's the, the cost uh, last year with fare evasion. And if you think uh, of children under 12 traveling for free, they're saying that uh, the loss to transit is about $73.5 million. Not an insignificant amount. So before we get to our panel, let me bring Steve Monroe in here. He's a transit expert who's joined the Oakley Show on numerous occasions to talk about uh, where transit could be better served. And by that, I mean the people of Toronto. Steve, always a pleasure. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. So tell me about this fare evasion. When they've got $70 million affixed to it last year in the study that they, they conducted since last November, uh, how do we stop this? Any way of plugging the hole? Well, um, the answer is different uh, for different modes. The the big thing the study identified, which is no surprise, of course, is that fare eva- the fare evasion rate is highest on streetcars because of Alder boarding and uh, what is... Uh, basically a, an uninspected way of getting on compared to boarding a bus where pretty well everybody gets on and goes by the operator and, you know, they're, they're, they're being watched. And in the subway, they either, well, until fairly recently, uh, had to, you know, put a token in a turnstile or walk past uh, a station collector who would see them, you know, put money in the box. So the, the opportunity for not paying is higher on streetcars. Uh, the TTC had been, one of the things that's mentioned in the study is the TTC had been looking at expanding the use of Alder boarding to buses uh, and is reconsidering this because of potential of losing revenue the same way uh, through lack of uh, of sort of visual inspection as people get on. Well, they're saying social media also plays a role because uh, people spread the word. It's like a TomTom network saying, uh, here's what you can do to beat the system. Uh, yeah, well... Certainly, one of the one of the issues you get into with any kind of inspection is that um, it, uh, it it has to operate in a way that basically.
basically defeats being flagged where they're setting up. And one of the points they make is that they're now setting up um, sort of a standard way they do it where they have several teams working together on one section of a route. So if someone bails out of, of one car, they immediately find the next car has got a crew on it as well, and so they, they get nailed. But it's, you know, it's a, a lot of manpower that you have to put into uh, uh, into doing fare inspections. Um, the the other point that it's kind of ironic, they mentioned that at subway stations, while the overall subway fare evasion rate is low, the rate is higher by a factor of two at the automatic entrances than it is that, that it is at the regular entrances. And of course, the automatic entrances used to have the full high gate uh, turnstiles, which for one thing weren't accessible and uh, you know were, were sort of cumbersome to go through, but you couldn't get through without paying. Now it's quite easy to just jump over the turnstiles and get in. So they're saying, well, maybe we should have people at the problem entrances keeping an eye on what's going on. Um, wait a minute, the TTC's whole idea was to reduce the number of people that are in the, you know, staffing subway stations. So I think they've, they've discovered there's some places where there's a point of no return where, where you know, you've got to have someone there keeping an eye on things, otherwise people are going to cheat the system. Well, that's what they've done. Uh, they've come up with additional funding approved by the city for 123 new fare inspectors and uh, transit special constables and administrative staff. So you support that then? Uh, I support it provided that it's done well. Uh, there, one of the problems that we've had with um, with the transit enforcement staff is that there have been some uh, horror stories, is the only way to put it, about uh, uh, abusive treatment of passengers uh, by the staff, uh, and those have been documented by uh, by investigations. And it's not just a case of rabble rousers saying, "Oh, TTC done me wrong." Um, there, there has been a there has been a problem with um, uneven enforcement by the type of passenger. Uh, but there's a there's a wider question about non-payment, um, and it's a bit subtle. But essentially, the point is that Presto is a system that was designed around suburban commuters, and the whole mechanism of loading money onto your Presto card and making sure you got money to pay is basically oriented to people who, who, you know, they're used to paying bills, they have bank accounts, they're not in the red all the time. Uh, there are a large number of transit riders who don't fit that, that profile. Um, and it is increasingly difficult for them to put money on their cards, even if they're trying to, because the number of places they can do so is much lower than it was when they could buy tickets and tokens everywhere. And so a complaint among among people who are, uh, sort of broadly speaking, activists for the, for the poorer members of society is you've got a fair system that doesn't fit with the way their finances work, and so they're much more likely to run into a situation where they don't have money left on their Presto card when they try to ride. Steve, so, would you also say that there's a certain culture inherent in the avoidance uh, that some people just think, hey, I'm beating the man? Oh, yeah. There's, there, there are always going to be people who try to beat the system. Um, and that's, I mean, the, the TTC report says that, that you know, the, the, you will never completely get rid of fair evasion. It's always been with us, um, you know, back in the days. Well, still, we have transfers. We don't have to the same extent now with Presto Card. But, but they fine people as well. Do you know what the fine is? Oh, the fine's $425. 18,000 fines laid last year. Yeah. Now, uh, one of the things that's interesting about that is that money doesn't show up in the TTC's budget. So, um, are all people paying their fines dutifully? 
Uh, well, I don't know. You would have to ask whoever the fine collectors are. <laughs> uh, we need more of them. Yeah, uh, but it's it's a uh, it's an interesting problem. Uh, don't mind me; I'm just doing the calculation here. So that's interesting. The total fine revenue was seventy six and a half million dollars, which is pretty much equal to what the TTC say, says it's losing in revenue. So if we could actually get the the fine revenue sent into the TTC's budget, you know. Call it a wash. Call it a wash. By the way, the, it doesn't work like that. Steve Monroe is a transit expert. By the way, uh, children under 12, this is John Tory brought this in, uh, they get to travel free. Is yeah. that still sustainable? Well, sustainable is the question of what you want to spend your money on. I mean, we have, uh, I'm a senior, and so automatically, by virtue of being a senior, I get one-third off my transit fares. Uh, students, and uh, there's a whole, there's a, many groups that are eligible for reduced fare that, that get a one-third off their fare. There's a big debate about whether that's, you know, that should be a widespread thing. And there's actually one of the things buried in the TTC's report is the suggestion that they should get rid of uh, tiered fares and bring back the children's fare. I'm not sure that's going to eliminate fare evasion. All that does is, is uh annoys a whole lot of people because you're going to make them pay more, but it doesn't deal with the structural problems. If I don't want to pay a fare, I'm not going to pay a fare. It uh, doesn't matter you know, what, you're, what you're charging me. All you're doing is making it easier for a fare inspector to say, uh, oh, uh, rather than you should pay a children's fare or an adult fare or a senior's fare or whatever, you haven't paid a fare of any kind. I think that's a case of, of the TTC looking at making things worse for a whole collection of riders simply to make their job easier of, of how they manage fare evasion. Yeah, but it places a value on a service, and I think that's... It places a value, but there's a, there's a distinction between, um, you know, the, the whole point of letting children ride free uh, was also done as one aspect of the city's poverty reduction strategy, because the argument was that you typically have parents who are trailing, you know, one or more kiddies around with them, you know, going to and from mm. school or whatever, and it was a way of making things better for them. Now, the argument, of course, can be made, not all children live in poor families. And then you get into the issue of, well, how do you distinguish and who gets subsidies some other way? So, uh, but the, 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 the point about, about all of the fair discounts, there's all, you know, they have come into a, uh, existence over a long period of time because of, you know, political, social arrangements of the day that have been considered to be, quote-unquote, a good thing to do at the time. So you don't just throw them away because, oh, look, we're losing money on, on these fares. I mean, but by analogy, the, um, uh, we, we are actually the, the cost, uh, the two-hour transfer that was introduced fairly recently, mm -hmm. where your pre a fare on Presto gives you two hours riding no matter where you go, um, costs actually a little bit more than the free children's fares do. Um, and that was seen as a way to improve t market the TTC and also to simplify administration affairs because now there's no question, did you make a legal transfer? You know, Is your Finch bus transfer still valid at King and University? That kind of thing. Uh, by simply saying, oh, look, it's over two hours. You owe us another fare. Um, so, so Yeah, that one's a pretty hard one to uh, kind of keep tabs on and uh it's yeah somewhat it's unreal well, it's, hard, it's not it's actually electronically because it's it's done through presto it's very simple you tap your card the first time the card the system knows when you got on and the clock starts running from there and you're and you're not charged another fare for any tap you make 
for the next two hours. Right, but, but if you is, exceed the two-hour window, there's not like a lighter buzzer that goes off around your head saying, hey, this guy's yeah, now in contravention it, of his timeline. You're, you're kind of expected to keep track of these things. Right, it's an honor this, system. This, get, this gets into a, well, I mean, this is, there's, a, there's a whole raft of issues about Presto, um, complaints about Presto that the, the reader, the Presto reader, doesn't give you any status indication that you're about to run out of money on your card or how much time you have left on your two-hour transfer. So you can all of a sudden discover that you're high and dry without money and you're at some location where putting more money on the card just isn't going to happen. And if the fare inspector happens to show up, oops, you're in big trouble. There you go. Uh, you'll spend the night in the clink. <laughs> Anyways, but you still got a roof over your head, so not all is lost. Uh, Steve, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for the explanation. You're welcome. Steve Monroe, transit expert. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.